it's so important for us to realize that the culture that we associate with in life uh, speaks into our life and, and it has an influence on us. So how much more important is it to be around godly people speaking into your life than all week, just where we go, chances are, uh, watching the news or being in a workplace of that negative influence, uh, contrary to the word of God, spoken over our lives. So, so tonight is a very important thing that we're going to make as an opportunity to you. Of course, you can, you can do with whatever you want, uh, but we want to encourage you to be here at 6 o'clock and at 7.30, you'll be done. Pastor, i got to get up early. You get to bed at 7.30. You can be in bed by 8 at 7.30. You can run out of here, get in your car, squeal, throw gravel on the front door as you go home, jump in bed, and be in bed by 8 o'clock. Hallelujah. Well, I am so glad to see you. Uh, thank you for all the Christmas gifts, all the New Year greetings and blessings. And let's just kick off today with, the, again, allowing God to work in our life. Uh, there's something about coming, expecting something. Uh, my son Mark came in and said, when we go to prayer, he had heard this, when we go to prayer, uh, we should leave different than when we went to prayer. Nobody likes to go or expects to go to a car wash and then go out of the car wash and then it cannot be clean. So there's an expectation that comes with coming to the house of God that we're not going to leave the same way that we came. Everybody with me on that? Yeah. How many's up for that today? Let me see your hand. Me too. So as I just open in prayer, say, God, I want to be different than what I came into this place. Would you do that? God, today... As this opportunity presents itself, we know that we're not here by accident, that God, all the circumstances of life could have come against us and maybe even came against some of us, but we chose to be here this morning. There was a free will choice, and God, today, we want to lead different, better than what we came. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. I'm going to get on it, so if you're taking notes, write quick, because I think it's something that you can recall and we're going to build on it in weeks to come. In this 2018, I want this to be the best year of my life. I, I'd like that and wish that and hope that for you, but I'm going for it. I'm putting things and systems in place in my life that's going to change where I'm at right now in my life. In the weeks previous, we kind of worked our way up to today, and we went through a series called Comeback. And any time that somebody has maybe gotten a place where they haven't been as victorious and they're attempting a comeback, there's some things that they have to get in, in place. When we talked about briefly, there's three myths that people come up with in making a comeback. And they're saying, you know what, I, I'm, I messed up, I made a mistake, now I want to make a comeback. The first one, or the, the ones that we talked about was the time myth. Time is my enemy, and I, I just want to get back into it. Sometimes a system that is created takes time to be activated in your life and carried out. But so many times we have this mindset that we want to see it now or it, it's not worth it. We don't have patience. The second one is, I know better, so I'll do better. Let me tell you, just because you've gone through a situation doesn't make it the ability for you to do better. Just because you know right from wrong doesn't mean that you're going to be successful in your comeback. And, and then the last one was just like that, but so much different. It says, the experience myth, which we talked about was experience doesn't make you smarter. 
in making a comeback, we get this mindset that just because we've got experience, we're smarter. Experience will make you older, make you have gray hair. It'll make you exhausted, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be smarter. It is in evaluated experience that you go through that you stop and ask the question, how did I get here? Because I don't want to be here again. A lot of times we go through life and we go around in circles and we never get off that merry-go-round because we're continually doing the same thing and expecting different results. <clears throat> this morning we're going to be talking about, again, a mind change. It's going to keep us from doing that. In that experience myth, a lot of times we talked about how you can blame your way into the future, but you cannot blame your way into a better future. There's a principle that says ownership. You have to take ownership of where you're at and make the change. I want you to recall that if you were here. There's some things that we can build on. Last week, the last week of the year, we talked about the subject, let God be true and every man a liar. You know, what, what the passage of Scripture says is just because some people didn't apply the Word of God with faith in their own life and ended up in a mess, so to speak, does that mean God is alive? His promises weren't effective? No. So we talked about, can we make God true? No. But we can let God be true when we allow the word of God spoken over our life, the purpose that God has put into our life, that we walk that out and we see it manifest in the physical realm and we go, wow. That, that's what God had for me and my life. We are letting God be true over our life. You know, I'm so excited this week that for we looked back, or I looked back on my email when we first started correspondence with the architect on building our buildings down there, and it was, can you believe this, December of 2014. Three years and a month it took to see what we were praying for and believing for and working towards to actually come into the physical realm. You could say the tangible, the concrete. <laughs> the concrete was poured yesterday. I mean, it's not something that you go out there and walk on dirt. No, you've got to step up on the concrete of the future buildings that are going to be there. That's something that in faith we believe for and it came to peak. That's what we're going to be talking about in applying this word today to your life. That what you believe for by faith is a system of believing. It's walking by faith and not by sight. When you do that, over the course of time, you begin to see what you're believing in the spiritual realm begin to manifest in the physical realm. And all of a sudden, people can't talk you out of it. I've, I've experienced God in my life. Sometimes when we allow God to be true in our life, God says, stand still and just watch me. But a lot of the time, God says, I want you in obedience to walk out what I've given you. This morning begins a whole new series in what I'm praying and believing and so excited for in my life and your life is this series will bring us to a different place. And as I've been praying for God to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, just as Paul prayed over the early church, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know what that means? the spirit of wisdom and the light bulb coming on, a different way of thinking than what we thought in the past. 
We've done the around we go, merry-go-round, and all of a sudden, revelation comes, the light bulb goes on, and we go, the word of God is true. Now, we, we never would have said it, well, it's true, but because we've experienced revelation and wisdom of how to carry that out in our life, all of a sudden, something that was there all the time at our disposal, but we never realized it, becomes part of us. And we begin to walk it out. The title of this series you'll hear is The Kingdom. And it's allowing God's word to be supreme in our life and to see by favor how God sees you. I, I realize that sometimes I, I know the truth, but I can get distracted. There's so many things that will come in my life. And I begin to not forget. I just don't apply it to my life. So this morning, some of the things that maybe you've heard before, you have not acted upon in your life in years. I realize that when the spirit of wisdom and revelation, when I'm praying that, the spirit of revelation, here it is. There's a purpose of praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Is to know God better. And when we know better, we begin to realize, as Paul said to the early church, you'll realize that the spirit that lives in you is the spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You're going, are you kidding me? The Holy Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead, he lives in me? And so what's it? No, he doesn't. Okay, I thought he did. So many times we get talked out of it because we have not experienced that wisdom and revelation. Maybe you've heard of it from a pastor or a teacher or someone that, that's in the word of God, but it's a second or third hand revelation to you and it just really doesn't, you're, oh yeah, I But when you experience the first hand revelation of God in your life, all of a sudden you go, okay, okay, okay. And, and you begin to walk it out. The last part of what Paul is saying is spirit of wisdom and revelation to know God better that you might know that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, that you might know the wonderful calling, the purpose that God has over your life. So this morning, I, I want you to see this because I, I know and you know if, if you've been in this church, whatever gets your hey, whatever gets your attention will get your focus. You've heard the teacher say, can I have your undivided attention? Jimmy! And all of a sudden, yo, now you got it. <laughs> Whatever gets your attention determines your direction. And your direction, not good intentions. I really, no. Your direction will determine your destination. So this morning, if you're at January 7th, the first Sunday of the year of 2018, and it wants to God, I want it to be a great year. Realize that if, if the right way that God has for us is walking just down this aisle, then it's going to take work. The culture that we're in wants to just hit us with a little distraction, a little, a little negative comment. That, Did God really say that? Is that really true? And all of a sudden, we just go off a little bit, and pretty soon we're way off. We say, how did I get up here? Because we had our attention put on something that wasn't true. Let's go all the way to the beginning in just a few minutes. And we're going to show how this happens. But the good news is, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this. However is it is written, listen to this. No eye 
has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. In the story, that's what people say. Well, nobody knows. Nobody, you know, it's a mystery. Who knows? But they don't read the very next sentence. Listen to what it says. But, all that that is said, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Now, now watch this. Isn't it disappointing to you, or wouldn't it be, if, if somebody came up to you and demanded a million dollars and you wrote a check out to help them out, you'd say, I can't do that because I don't have a million dollars. You do not know the resources that are at your disposal when you put your faith in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. So this morning, if the, the expectations on the believer could be lifted to begin to see all the things that God has prepared and has in store for you right now. It doesn't talk about being in heaven a million and two years later than this. Right now, as believers, that we begin to allow a new perspective, a new paradigm of who God is, but then who he says you are in your life. Let's, let's go over that. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be talking about things because I know, and I'm going to read some passages of Scripture, and it's going to take some mental, uh, let's say, discipline and exercise to stretch a little bit and stay with me through this. And I know that you guys have already studied for hours the Word of God this week, so hey, if you would, just stay with me. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, then God said, let us make men or man in our image. If you just stop right, let me just talk about that just a second. Who are you? But to think of God creating us in his own image, in, our, in his likeness, come on. Somebody that read that for the first time, that didn't just read over that because we read it so many would go, what? He created man in his own man, image and likeness of God? ask you, why would he do that? Now let's go on. He made man in his own image and his own likeness and let them rule over, rule over. Are you kidding me? He, he made them in his likeness and then had them rule over all the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, all of the, over all the earth, and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now in female, he created them. In verse 28, it says, God blessed them. Now, now again, an amazing thing. He's making them man. He made man in his own image and likeness. He had them rule over. He's a ruler. And then he blessed man, anointed him, empowered him. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it, or master it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every, every living creature that moves on the ground. <clears throat> Does that mean cockroaches? Yes. Cockroaches. Everything that moves on the ground. Now, now stop and think of it. Again, he's creating man, his own image likeness, giving him authority and then empowering to do the job. I want you to see 
why God would do that. He loves me. Then he goes on to say this. God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. I, I love that. Extreme. Very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now again, if, if we look at God's heart, his love and desire for man, he puts him in the garden. He has no problems. He has all the tree trees. He has the food that he wants. He has, it says even that there are gold, pearls, onyx. He doesn't sweat. I mean, come on now. This is paradise. He's putting him in a garden, paradise, and having everything that he would need and want. He has no needs. Now, I'm going to... I want to teach you something that's outside of what the scripture, it, it, it's what the scripture saying is, but we right now have needs. Is there anybody in here that has a need beside me? If you didn't raise your hand, all I have to do is cut off the oxygen. And I got a need. There's, there's a, a guy, Maslow, and he's this guy that's a, a mind thinker, you know, he watches people and he, he began, this is years ago, and we, we know him as the Maslow theory, you know, uh, response and stimulus. He, he rang a bell every time he fed a dog and, and rang a bell and fed a dog until the dog began to salivate. Then he, then he wouldn't feed him. He just rang a bell and the dog would start salivating. So he, he's that kind of thinker. He watches. And so he says, man has needs. And I want you to see it, if we get that little illustration as a pyramid or a mountain. And I want you to see that the, the most basic of the needs that men have, you have, no matter who's here that's a man or female, that's a human being, we have needs. A cell phone is not one of them. All right, just to let you know kind of where we're at. The most basic of need is Again, look at that physical needs. It's the bottom of the mountain or the bottom. It's the food, the water, the warmth, the rest. Those are needs. But those are the most important at the first. Because the second one is safety, security and safety. Let me show you how it works. As you begin to be in a place of prosperity or blessing, you, you go from not needing food or water because you have that. And then the next need is that you have safety, that you know that some uh, marauding forces doesn't come in and take everything that you have, including your wife and children. Okay? Everybody with it? Okay, okay, see, okay. That's me. See, we live in the United States. We're born in the United States. We don't have that fear. We have safety. But if you do not have the physical needs met, the safety needs don't matter. During the Iraqi war, they said that the, the, the bad guys took over a bridge. And the only way for the, the citizens on the other side of the bridge is to get water. The only way that they could get water and survive was that they crossed the bridge. The problem was that there were snipers up in the hills that were shooting at people going over the bridge. But every day, people risked their life to go over the bridge. They gave away their safety. Why? Because the need below that hadn't been met. They needed water. Do you see how it works? You go up on needs being met, but if one below that isn't, then all of a sudden the ones above doesn't make sense. It, it's not as important. 
So you can look at this. The next one is belonging and love and needs. That, that's why a lot of times we come and that's why God says love your uh, neighbor as, as yourself. Love God first and love your neighbor. When people come to this church for the first time and they begin to have a relationship with people and they go, man, this is, so much, this is a loving church. Is this for real? And the same person says something like, why do we have church seven days a week? I, I just, I, this is a need that is being met in my life. They're here about five years, and they're going, did you hear what Jimmy said about me? <laughs> so, so they got to work on that. That need was met, and all of a sudden, after that need's met, <coughs> they begin to see other things. They need other things. So you keep going up. Esteem uh, and self-actualization is the, and, and this, these can be broken up in different ways of looking at it, but, but the top one is achieving one's full potential, including creative activities. But the, the top, even including self-actualization, they've come up with what he said was self-transcendent. Yeah, what is that? Transcendent. Thank you. It is to connect to someone beyond your ego and to help others find self-fulfillment and realize their potential. Now, not only, let me just, to help someone else find potential you think that if you didn't have food or water, that that would matter to you? If you didn't have security, would that matter to you? No, I'm not going to help anybody else. When you're talking about the higher you go, you realize more needs are being met to the point now that, so to speak, that you're living the abundant life to the full, to the overflow, and you can help somebody else. Now, watch this. If we walk in our destiny of God saying that you are being created to rule and reign with me, I'm giving you authority to rule over the earth. And he puts man in the garden and all the needs are met, that makes sense. Adam and Eve begins to walk in their destiny. There's a difference between a king and a servant. See, with a king, all the needs are met. The difference is a king, they show up in any kind of problem, they have the resources and the authority to meet the needs, even the needs of others. Are you with me? Are you tracking? Adam's in the garden, he has no needs. All he has to do is have faith in the word of God. I'm not talking about the Bible, I'm talking about what God said over his life. We go with the written word of God in our life. Watch this. We know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's a continual thing that keeps us on track. Again, the illustration of me getting off track. And getting off. If we're not in the word of God, we begin to allow our culture, again, people that are not believers, to speak words that are contradictory to the word of God. That gets us off. And if we're not careful, we start believing what we're hearing. Words change us. If it's the word of God or it's the word of our culture that are not believers. The words change our thinking. It changes our emotions, our choices, habits, our character, our destiny. So watch this. Again, Genesis 1.27. Be fruitful and increase the number, fill the earth and subdue it. Master, rule over it. You're the ruler. If you go down to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. See, see, this is his purpose in life. 
to take care of it and to work it. To work it and to take care of it. <coughs> to increase and to multiply. Everything that you need is in there. There's things like gold and onyx. and You don't need that, but it's something that you'd want. It's beautiful. <coughs> and the Lord God commanded the man. Now here comes the word of God. The words out of his mouth. Listen. It says, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden. Woo! Any tree of the garden. All these trees in the whole garden. I don't need anything else. I'm good forever and ever. But the command said next is the same thing of the free will and choice that he gave us. There's two trees in the garden. There's more than two, but three of them. Uh, good and evil of eternal life. And it says this, Right here, listen. It says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. What does he say? As soon as you take the, the bait or the trap of temptation, it's going to bring sin and therefore death into the world. <coughs> now, what is that? Come on. It... If you go to James chapter 1, it, it simply says this, and, and this clears up a lot of fuzz, a lot of clutter in our mind when we go, what, what's sin? And, you know, really? Come on. Come. Listen to what it says. When tempted, no one should say God is tempted. Oh, everybody tries to blame gosh. But it says, you shouldn't say that. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So let's put that over there. God's not tempted. But each one is tempted when he, by his own evil desire, is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, where did the word conceive come in when you're given birth? Sure enough. It says, and when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. <laughs> I want you to see this because it's very important for us. To realize that God is telling them, I'm giving you everything that you'll ever need. All your needs of hierarchy of the, the things that, you know, self-fulfillment, self-esteem, love and acceptance by me. Everything's taken care of in the garden. Matter of fact, I'm going to give you very few rules, just a lot of responsibility, a lot of blessing. And so God tells them, I want you to increase and multiply. Can, can we just, can, can you expand a little bit this morning? It's going to be like, okay. Would it be possible to believe that God intended the Garden of Eden to be expanded over the entire world? I mean, can you go there with me? If sin did not enter in to the earth, what would the earth look like? Thousands of years from then. I know that's a stretch for some of you, but, but work on that a minute. This week, process that. The entire earth being fruitful, animals and fish increasing, and little Adam and Eve's running around. Everybody, no sweat, no pain, no sickness, no death. And, and really, you could say true prosperity through the blessings of God with his covenant with Adam. 
Now, now, ask yourself, why is it that when we talk as a church or as believers about prosperity in our world, the people start to cringe? They start getting in a fetal position. Ugh. Is there any reason other than the enemy does not want a believer to prosper? If you have all that you need and you have more than enough to help somebody else out, that would be exactly obedient to what God asks in our life. That he has come to give us abundant life to the full, to the world. Now this morning, the title of my message, the, the, the kingdom is a series. But this morning, the title is The Attack of the Blessed. If you can see the beautiful kingdom that God has set up and said to man, I love you so much, I'm going to put you, this is my heart, this is who I am, I love you. Puts him in the garden, and if you can see, all of a sudden the enemy comes against what God has planned, and you could say the ram is at the wall. He begins to look for a way to tear down or to defeat the kingdom. In Genesis chapter 3, so many of us have heard this, but again, listen to it. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that? <clears throat> the three things that will come into the believer's life, again, to get them off track is fear, doubt, and unbelief. Which one of those have you experienced the most in your life? Every believer has been attacked with fear, doubt, and unbelief. That's the way the enemy puts the ram to the wall and begins to test a way into the kingdom of your life. The first one is just a, a, a statement of doubt. And all he had to do, he didn't say anything. The enemy just said, did God really say that? Come on. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? I question mark. The woman said to the servant, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So she's standing up. She's quoting the word of God. Now, did he say not touch it? We, we don't have that written down. But if that was a guardrail that she put there for herself and said, I'm not even touch Okay, I'm good with that. Everybody got a good peace of mind on that? Okay, good. So she's standing up to the attack to the king. <clears throat> look, look what happens next. <clears throat> In verse 4 it says that the response of the enemy is you will not surely die. That's a point. He's trying to say, God is not true. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now again, what is that? <laughs> That's fear. God's holding out on you. He's not wanting you to have what he did. You ate that. 
eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Now, now watch. The next verse in verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. Again, what, what is it is when we're dragged away by our evil desires and our evil desires is anything that sets itself up against or is contrary to the word of God. She took some of it and ate it. She also gave it to her husband who was there with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig, sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Every time that there is sin that is coming into our lives, there's a sense of hiding from the truth. There's, and it's a debilitation that the enemy uses against us to come clean. It's the guilt, shame, and resentment that comes in our life. We want to hide. It said that they were hiding, but in verse 9 it says, But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Have you ever thought about how hilarious that is? Of hiding from God? And God's like, Where are you? Did, do you think that he didn't know where they were? Did, did, you, ever, did you ever play hide and seek with your two-year-old and, and they're in the covers and their bottom is sticking up and where are you? <laughs> in verse 10, it says, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, God said, who told you that you were naked? Again, think about it. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Who told you that you were Can I say it this way? Who have you been listening to? Who has been framing your thinking? Who has been saying something contrary to my word that has enticed you to do something that you shouldn't have done? If you take the evilness that was right there at that time, what really evil, the entire thing represents sin upon man. If you take the Greek word evil, the word panias meaning pain, and from the root word meaning poor, you have everything. Evil and sin, pain and sickness, poor or poverty that came upon man. Remember that this is where we're at this morning in the story. But remember where we're going in this series is Jesus destroyed the power of sin, sickness, and poverty through his redemption work on the cross for us. Do we appreciate that today? And Adam and Eve is commissioned to subdue the earth, to master, to rule over. They were without sickness, pain, sin. They were totally blessed to rule. The word of God changed their thinking and they began to walk it out. We know the next part of the passage that it becomes the excuse game show. Who can 
trump the next guy and making the biggest excuse. What did you do? She made me. The serpent made me. Instead of taking ownership, they begin to blame. As I said this morning, you can blame yourself into the future, but you cannot blame yourself into a better future. Remember that the sin didn't come in the deception. The sin came in the action when it says, and I ate it. Again, being drugged away with her evil desires, their evil desires, until it enticed them to the point of sin coming into the world. Again, when Adam and Eve blew off the blessing, sin and death entered into the world through them. If you think about it, Adam had the ability, because the blessing and the anointing was on his life, to really bless the whole world through him. But his actions, the opposite, exactly came. Again, all of those needs that are in man, safety, the physical needs, all the belonging and love, all of them were there. And he began to blow that off. <clears throat> let, me, let me just tell you real quickly the, the rest of the story because the consequences and the, and the things that happened after what we just read in verse 17, it says, and Adam said, because you listened to your wife, God said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. See, the, the, the sin, the destruction, the poverty, all the things that came in was because of the action, but because of that. See, so many times people want to think that God said, here's my disappointment and my discipline on you. This was not God's perfect will. Man. It says this. Cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil you will now eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken for dust you are and dust you will return. Those are the consequences of sin. You can see that the things are that come into the world is that the, the curse is up on its inhabitation. That the ground that used to grow all these beautiful things now has a curse on it because of sin coming into the world. The second thing in that powerful passage of scripture of consequences is, is his employment and enjoyments are bitter. He doesn't like to work anymore. Can, can you... See and agree with me on the world that most people do things that they don't want to do in, in their jobs. That's why we go, oh, I hate rainy days and Mondays. Oh. <laughs> it's hump Wednesday. We're almost over the week. And then TGIF, man, it's Friday. <laughs> well, what are we saying? I hate my job. Well, we don't realize that Adam wasn't in a hammock or a lawn chair. He was working, but he enjoyed it because of the blessing of God on his life. And the third thing is his life was cut short. You know, when, we, when, you, when you think about how then God says to the serpent, because of what you did, in other words, the enemy, he says, 
and I will put, verse 15, and I will put enemy between you and the woman. In other words, Satan and the woman. And because your offspring and hers, you will crush, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, again, when you read a passage like that, you go, what? But in prophecy, you can see that it's carried out that Jesus was beaten and crucified. You could say he bruised Jesus' heel, the Son of God. But talking about crushing Satan's head was because of what Jesus did on the cross. It says, for as Adam all died, so in Christ all is made alive. So, So let me go into the fruit. I love this quote. Nothing satisfies the heart of a Christian like seeing so-called impossibilities bow their knees to the name of Jesus. If you don't understand the good news that we're going to continue, this sermon is to be continued, But if you don't first understand where man was before Jesus Christ came, you'll never appreciate what he did after that. Do you know how much, let me say this way, in the story of the woman caught in adultery and all the people around her with rocks ready to throw at her head, Who enjoyed the message of mercy and grace the most? All day. (laughs) Can I tell you this morning? If you feel like you've never sinned, you'll never experience the joy of the grace of God. Amen. And, and let me go this way. If you never felt like you sinned and you don't have a great imagination, then you're in a bad spot because you'll be looking for rocks. But what Jesus does on, a, on the cross thousands of years after this episode begins to make a way for you and I to be redeemed, purchased back as man to the purpose of what God has created us for. In a few minutes, we're going to take communion. And what we're going to do is realize, if you haven't already, listen, the first of the year is a great time to realize this. If you never realized it, if you need the spirit of wisdom and revelation, I'll pray for you again. Get it. (coughs) That we have a covenant, but the Bible says a new and better covenant. This morning, I want you to see this because as we get to this place, I want you to be in agreement with me. I can't afford to have one thought different in the way that God sees me. The way that he sees you. 
in the world that we live in, and we're constantly under attack. You're not that. And the way that you even interpret things that people say, you feel like I'm not that. When somebody says, you're blessed. No, I'm not. You're rich. No, I'm not. Come on. And instead of walking in the blessings that God has died and created for us, of being forgiven, to being able to be to the point of being blessed, to the point of overflow, so that we can die. This morning, as the worship team comes back, I want you to begin to, again, the father that brought his son for healing to Jesus said, if you can heal him, if you can heal him, would you heal him? And Jesus said, if I can. See, some of us today are to the point of, God, if you can do something in my life. You know what Jesus said? If I can, like, are you kidding me? But here's what the Father said. Help me with my unbelief. Yeah. <clears throat> Just be honest with God. I'm, I need you in this. I'm going through some things in my life that are bigger than me, and I just don't. God, help me in this. Draw on resources that maybe you don't even believe that are there for you. They are there for you. And allow God to be God. As the worship team begins to worship, again, thankfulness is where we start. God inhabits the presence of his people. And this morning we pray that we get a, an actual manifestation of his presence in our life. That we begin to see him working ways that he's... The impossibilities have told us that are impossible. Oh, then he, he shows up. Because he's got you allow God to be Would you just close your eyes? Just right now. Get in focus with who God is. Just